I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to that Gabby Rosen podcast, part of the Acast Creator Network. Ramesh Ranganathan is my guest on this week's episode. Not only do we talk about his huge Sky TV hit, Rob and Ramesh Versus, but also we talk about the weakest link on the BBC and he shares the truth about how he was offered that show. He has me in fits of giggles telling me about recording his song in Cinderella, the musical movie with James Corden and Camilla Cabello, and shares how he coped with the recording of a certain episode of King Gary with Tom Davis. He's very honest about his childhood and his parents' situation and talks with such love and warmth about his lovely mum. You'll hear Ramesh discussing very openly things about his life that you will rarely hear him chat about. I do hope you enjoyed this episode. I love chatting to Romesh and listen out for some very funny tales about his new puppy. Please, can I ask you a favour? Would you mind following and subscribing, please? By clicking the follow or subscribe button. This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes. I know there have been quite a few now. And you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review. Thank you so much. Ramesh Ranganathan, shall we burst the myth about you? What's the myth about me? Well, everyone thinks that you're quite downbeat and you <laughs> and and you can be a little grumpy only on television. Yeah. Because as I tell everybody, and I always say to you, is you are one of the sweetest, gentlest, <laughs> nicest teddy bears I've met. <laughs> Sorry. What a way to open this. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Myth um, burst. Yeah, well, look, I think that um, I was trying to figure this out. Not, I wasn't trying to figure this out. That sounds like I'm really sort of self-indulgent. But <laughs> I do think that, you know, when I, when I started, because actually, like, when I do TV now, I am, I'm not really like that. I mean, look, look, I have a grumpy, not grumpy, I have a cynical... Um, out, take on things just je- that's my default setting that's but I'm good not that's alright uh, yeah but I'm not necessarily grumpy but I was when I started doing 
TV, I think that came from maybe like nerves or you haven't, you know, you don't feel comfortable enough to be yourself yet. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. So I think when you when I started doing panel shows and stuff, I was really super deadpan, like really grumpy, or I came across as really grumpy. I've got sort of got a default grumpy face. If if I'm not expressing emotion, I look like I hate what's happening. I mean that's part of the problem. And so, but then as I've sort of got more relaxed, I've just sort of been a bit more chilled out. I suppose. Do you know what I mean? But you're right. A lot of the time, I go on to things and people say, "Well, I wonder if you'll smile." It's everyone's favourite Grump Ramesh. Well, they don't even say favourite. They just say everyone, like a, a Grump that people know, uh, Ramesh Ranganathan. So, yeah, you're right. Look, I'm happy to have that, that myth dispelled. Let, let's do it. Let's get it out there. It's good. Yeah, but, you, but also you're, you're so not like that. And I think people know that of you now because probably because of Rob and Ramesh versus. Yes. I always say Rob versus Ramesh, but it's not <laughs> yeah. that. No. But, but because of that, people see that giggly, naughty side of you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, that that is, um, I guess, like, I mean, you. I think you probably have the same thing with the stuff that you do. I always feel like the, the best stuff is when, well, my favourite things to do are when you're, you're just sort of being yourself and then, like, the fun comes from that. So doing something with Rob, I think, because we're actually mates, we, 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 like, because we are genuinely really good friends, to then do that, you are, that is just how, uh, that is just how we'd be if we happened to organise a drag performance without the cameras. Do you, do you know what I mean? So that is, it is just us. So yeah, I guess, I guess that's what you're saying. But um, there's no pretense. I love that show. I, I, as you both know, and, and bless him, Rob, I've known him since before people knew who he was. Yeah. He knew who he was and his family <laughs> did. But, but and I absolutely love him to bits. Whenever we watch it, I, I WhatsApp him along to watching it. But I WhatsApp just, I keep leaving him voice notes of all of us in this house Literally losing it. You doing ballet. I think I messaged you about the ballet one as well. I don't think, and if I ever feel a bit down, I just put that on. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh, that's so lovely to say. But that that was a real, to be honest with you, that felt like a real breakthrough episode because when we started doing Robber on Verses, we just weren't sure what would work. You know, we were sort of thinking, what sort of things should we tackle? And obviously we did sports things initially. And we were looking at stuff, you know, we did fashion and we did we were doing bits and pieces. And ballet felt like, because ballet is such a sort of, sort of a, a high sort of, there's such a reverence for ballet, isn't there? And it's sort of so exclusive a world. I, I, I did find myself thinking, I wonder if this is going to be all right, you know, let's just see how it goes. But it ended up being, it's a lot of people's favourite episode. But but, oh. but, ge- but genuinely, when we tried on the training gear, like they, I don't know if they captured this on camera, <laughs> like, but we had a breakdown back, like, you know, behind the scenes. Because just like, we can't, because we were wearing the same stuff as the ballet dancers were wearing, but obviously they look incredible. You know, they've got single digit body fat percentages. <laughs> and, and we put on these outfits and then the production are going, oh, this is really funny. And we go, but, but we're not doing anything. You're saying it's funny because of how we look wearing the same gear as those people are wearing. So what you're saying is our bodies are funny. That is basically what you're saying. <laughs> it was so humiliating. Um, but it was good. It was good fun. It was good fun. It's glorious. I mean, they're going to be more of those, aren't there? Is that, yeah, that's do- no secret. <laughs> no, no, no. We're doing more at the moment. I don't, I don't know if it's been. I don't, I don't even know what the what the if, if it's been officially announced. But we, are, I, I'll just tell you, we are doing more. We are doing more. So we've done. We've done. We've done a couple. Um, uh, we've done. Um, we did Strongman, which yeah. is uh, which was fun, and uh, we've done West End as well. Oh, I'm so pleased that there's going to be more of that. But there's going to be more of you 
everywhere. And I mean that in a really loving way because I remember, I'm going to take you back, do, 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 mm. do, do, take you back in time. Well, the very first time we met, I think it was The Apprentice, uh, You're yes. Fired. Yeah. That was years ago. I think it was when you first started being a, a you were on every week, weren't you? I yes. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember panelist. that with Jack Day. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and you said, I don't know. I, I, we, we were backstage and you said, I don't quite know how this has happened that I'm on telly. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? And you went, well, it's really weird. I keep being asked to do all sorts of things. And and like, somebody's going to find me out. And I said, no, you watch. You're going to be doing everything. And you just looked at me and went, oh, and you swore at me. And I went, no, 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 you watch. And you went, no, no, no. I said, you're going to be presenting shows. You're going to be presenting quiz shows. You'll have your own quiz show. You wait, you wait. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to 2022. Um, where do we start? And it's not, obviously, everybody knew this was going to happen because you have that talent ball, so you have charm and you're a very kind person. So there we go. Nice things gone. God, this um, is, I'm so glad I agreed to do this, by the way. This has oh, like been the, be the best experience of my self-esteem <laughs> I've had in years. Well, let's go to The Weakest Link, because that's the sure. show that, that everybody's been talking about. And it's, mm. it was on all over the holidays. Yeah. And uh, it's quite big shoes to fill, Anne Robinson's. And you filled them incredibly well, because you haven't done her, if you see No, what I mean. well, because well, what happened was, is I, I didn't, I had no idea that The Weakest Link was coming back. And then I... The BBC got in touch and said, what do you think about doing The Weakest Link? And I said, I don't know, to be honest with you, because I, even though, like, I love doing all the different shows that I do, but I just had never seen myself as a as a quiz show presenter. I'd never really seen myself doing, like, Saturday nights on BBC One. I, I just didn't feel like I was that guy. So I said to them, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not sure. And they said, we knew that you'd say that. You know, like, and they said, "Why don't you just have oh, a really? think about?" It? Yeah, they said we thought you'd say that because it's you know, because they sort of know the kind of things I like to do, and, they, and then they said, "Why don't you just have a think about it? And maybe we could do a run through." And it is, and and one of the things they said to me that really sort of sold me on it because obviously it's an incredibly attractive proposition because the weakest link is such an iconic show. So obviously there's there there's that to it, but also it's a bit of a blessing and a curse in that way because you sort of think, am I going to do it all right? And they said, we want you to just be yourself. Like that that's kind of the aim. We're not looking for you to suddenly change into some sort of shiny floor quiz show presenter. So I said, okay. And so we did the run through. And one of the things that we agreed on is exactly what you just said, which is we're not going to try and emulate something that's come before. We're going to, we're going to do it the way that I would do it. And we're going to do it in the, in the style that we've decided to do it. And we will stand or fall by that. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's the better way of doing it rather than trying to emulate. Because what Anne did and how she did it was absolutely brilliant. There's no point me trying to be like the Diet Coke version of, of what she did on that show. Yeah, so I just yeah. think it's better to, to do it in a different way. And then everything else is out of your hands. You do what you think is good. And either people are going to think it's great or they're going to think it's rubbish or there's something somewhere in between. But you can't control that. So, you know, we just decided let's just do it the way we think and see what happens. And the response has been like unbelievable, man. It's been, it's been really good. I mean, my, my, uh, my wife is not a comedy fan and, and doesn't really watch <laughs> I love it. that. She doesn't, really she doesn't watch anything I do. But when it when I told her about Weakest Link, it's it's one of the first times she's shown kind of genuine and not just supportive wife excitement, like genuine excitement that I was involved in something, you know, because that's, that's, it's such a, everybody knows it, don't they, that show. So um, I was really excited for it to come out, but I was also kind of a little bit terrified. I've got to be honest yeah. with you, 
I would love it if this job was making the TV shows, but then nobody sees them afterwards because the anxiety that you have about how these things are going to be received is is horrible, isn't it? You know, like it's really fun to do it, and then it comes out, and you're like, oh god. Let's yes, see what it is terrifying because everybody's so judgmental. But surely, surely by now you know you have that gut feeling if something works. You do totally, and I, I, I do think that with new shows, like you know, when we did the travel show. Uh, misadventures and like when I did the Ranganation we oh thank you but when we did those you sort of go I I I feel I feel really happy with what we've done and so people may like it or they may not but I know that I feel like this is a good show do you mean I feel like we've done what we set out to do the thing the difference with the weakest link is that it's it has so many preconceptions and expectations attached to it and and people have an idea of what they want that show to be and you can't really change that. You know, you can do it how you want. But, you know, I've done it, you know, in a, in a kind of more lighthearted, affectionate way. But there are people that will have watched the original version of Weakest Link. And the only reason they watched it is because of the harshness of Anne and how she did it. And so they see me being a bit, I guess, fluffier, for want of a better word. And they think, I don't like that. Do you know what I mean? You, you can't, there's so many things that are attached to it in a way that you don't have with a brand new show. So kind of... I say that was a concern. It wasn't a concern. It's you do what you you do what you think is best and see what happens. But but in answer to I'm being very waffly, but in answer to your no. point, in answer to your point, when we finished the records, we were all quite excited to see what people thought. You know, you, you sort of kept, we came away from those records thinking that feels like we've done a good job on that. Do you know what I mean? Let's see what happens. To be honest, do you worry about what people think then? I used to worry about it a lot more than I do now. I, I don't. It's very difficult because like when you first start out, as you know, it's very difficult to not take these things personally. Like I remember, you know, the first time I got like a bad review for doing stand up or a bad review for a TV show. It sort of knocks you or even like on social media. So many people have talked about the effects of social media. And, and, and because you put yourself into these things so much, it's very difficult to completely detach yourself from what's being said about something you've done. I've got loads better at it now, you know, and, and actually sometimes th- there are certain there are certain reviewers that really hate what I do. And I actually look for their reviews to see what they've said about because I find it funny yeah. now do you know, because you sort of go, there's, there's no way they're ever going to like this. Let's see how they hate it, you know. So um, so no, I don't worry as much as I used to. With Weakest Link, that show, I, look, I know I'm hosting it, but the show's not about me. It's about the format. And I'm sort of delivering that format. So if people didn't like it, it would be a shame but I wouldn't take that personally. Do you know what I mean? I, it's, it, we, we've given it a go. We've done our best. We've made the decisions we thought were right. If people don't like it, that's unfortunate. We won't do it again. Do you know what I mean? So I, don't, I wouldn't have got upset about that. You're obviously disappointed. You want people to like things yes. you do. Yeah. But, you know, what can you do? You know, it's, it's not life or death. But I get the feeling that, that you don't want to disappoint people because I think a lot of stand-ups, because, you, you're, I mean, you're touring until June this year. Yes. And, yeah. and you will continue to tour, I'm sure. But... But I get, do you get the feeling that stand-ups don't want to ever disappoint anybody. H- whatever they're doing, it's sort of innate. It's there in your gut that the last thing you want to do is not have that laugh, n- not make somebody feel better about their life or whatever it is on whatever level, but you'd be disappointed. I mean, I listen, I understand. I This, is, this month, it's 35 years that I've been in the industry. And when wow. I get... When I when somebody says, "Oh, I didn't like this or I didn't like that," it hurt. of course it hurts. Of yeah. course it hurts. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think sort of stand up is the most narcissistic of all forms of entertainment, really, because you, when you do stand up, 
you require the audience to tell you they love you by laughing at you every 30 seconds you know and and mm -hmm. like so so stand-ups require that constant feedback you know and um and and you tra you train yourself you know because you want that reaction it, you're doing well when the audience are laughing a lot so you start craving it because you know that's when you're doing your job well um and so yeah you do i guess it's it's you you don't want to disappoint but i think with the i think with the weakest link more than anything else because i was stepping into something that people had an affection for way over and above my involvement that makes you think I don't want to disappoint people. If people are disappointed right. in my stand-up show, that's a shame and I'd be upset. But I, I, that's only me that I've let down there. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's my thing. Whereas if I, if I take something as big as The Weakest Link and people don't like it, you sort of feel like, have you let the production down? They made a mistake by choosing, you know, all of those things that go, yeah, you know, no, we all, we've all got yeah. imposter syndrome, haven't we? So then when those things go wrong, Completely. you think, oh God, they must be absolutely regretting phoning me to ask me to do this. Do you know what I mean? So th th there's all of that kind of tied up into it, I think. With with everything that you do, I mean, from Cinderella, Matt the Mouse is in Cinderella. <laughs> 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 I wonder yeah. if you're laughing for the same reason I'm laughing. You, I, there we go. You might not be. I love the story of you going into the booth and and singing and that you weren't L expecting to sing and all that. Listen, That's let's listen. I can openly say this now. That was a miscasting. Uh, that me being in Cinderella, it was a, a huge error by everybody involved. It was so funny because like it was it was um, James Corden's production company that were making the film, and I, and and I got this. They I didn't audition. I got this offer to do to play one of the mice. I think it was Mouse Footman was the official title of the character. And, um, and then my agent said, oh, do you fancy doing it? And I just thought, what? That'd be a, that sounds like a laugh. I've not done a film before, um, not done a kid's film. It'd be a, like, you know, you sort of do these things for the experience. I've not got any aspirations to become a film star, but I just thought this would be a, a cool thing to be involved in. And so I agreed to do it. I just sort of didn't fully appreciate it was a musical. So when I, when I got the email, Saying, oh, it's James Corden is Camilla Cabello. <laughs> yeah, not a musical. James sings at any opportunity. Pah, you've known him true. long enough. That, that is true. That is true. But I, and then when so so they said to me, oh, your first day is um is in the studio in in the music studio, and I was like, okay. And I'd sort of I'd sort of seen this. They'd sent me the script, and I'd seen the songs, and I thought, okay, well, they know it's hopefully they know that I haven't got, I've not sung on anything. So hopefully they know that I haven't really got this in my locker and maybe they want me to sing in a comedic way. And so I turned up and Kay Cannon, the director, who is like brilliant, she said to me, it's the first time I'm meeting, I'm meeting all these, and I'd, I'd not been involved in a production of this scale at all. So you're meeting all these like American execs and stuff like, it's all very kind of, Overwhelming is a hey, bit of an exaggeration, Ash. but it, yeah, yeah, all of that. Yeah, we're so excited. We you're love involved your in the work. Project. Yeah, I'm su su such a fan of the misadventures of Rajesh Ranganathan. I'm just such a huge <laughs> fan. All of that, right? So, so they, they get so Kay Cannon says to me, Oh, um, do you want to warm up your voice before we start? And I said, No, this is as warm as my voice is going to get. <laughs> I, said, I said to her, You are seeing me operating at peak performance. And then we got into the booth and I said, look, I, I was very honest. I said, look, I can't really sing. And she said, don't worry, don't worry. Um, let's just do it. And um, they, they played me the, the guide track and then they said, okay, let's go. And honest, I, I, I don't often get nervous, 
<laughs> but the anxiety I was feeling at singing for the first time and through the other, the other side of that window is everybody involved in that film. Disgust, just disgusting level of nerves. And then I sung the vocal. You can hear your own vocal going into your headphones. And I stopped and I just went, okay. Um, and they went, okay, that was great. That was so great. And then they muted my headphones and I saw them have a really panicked conversation behind oh, the window. Oh, no. It was just so obvious. And my bottom it was, is clenching. Oh, God. It was so obvious that I was doing it wrong. And then they came back on and they said, okay, we're going to do it again. And if you can just try and follow the melody uh, of oh, what I'm no. doing on the thing. So I go, okay. Honestly, Gabby, that happened, <gasps> I reckon, rough estimate, 17 times, right? And, oh. and, so, and so I do it over and over and over again until eventually, genuinely, the guy stops playing the track and he says, just watch me. And he gets up and he goes over to piano and just plays the keys like one by one to try and scaffold my learning of how to sing this. It was so embarrassing, like so humiliating. They were so nice about it, but they were dealing with somebody that they shouldn't have got involved in the project. I, I, I left the, 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 the studio and I phoned my agent Flo and I said to her, I don't think I'm in this movie anymore, just to give you a heads up. <laughs> I, I fully expect you to get a phone call saying, do you know what? We gave it a go. He's not the guy. Um, but they uh i guess they were they were committed by that point and so uh i did the rest of the film but why didn't you do it as rap because that's your whole thing i mean you were a finalist in the freestyle 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 competition you know yes. that's, you do your podcast about rapping you do your radio 2 show about rapping. yeah yeah well i just don't think i think that's the sort of thing that a bigger deal sort of asks for do you know what i mean if if camilla cabello had said, I think I should rap. They would go, yeah, of course, that's a great idea. If I said, I think I should rap, I think they'd go, well, you're on for three days. How about you just do what we've asked you and leave? How about that? <laughs> I don't think I've got that kind of sway in the studio. So so we've done it, Gabby. It's con out. Uh, people have seen it. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. My phone blew up with text messages from comedians, mates of mine, delighted to see my performance as a mouse footman. Uh, so there you go. It's going to go down <laughs> in the, the annals of Hollywood history. But but there, it, it's very funny because you look at your Wikipedia page and the first thing it says about you, did, I don't know if you've looked at your page recently, mm -mm. but do you know what the first thing they describe you as? No, go on. Not a mouse, don't worry. Actor. <laughs> so it says actor. Do they really? Yeah, it says actor, comedian, presenter. Well, I, I, that's, that's wrong. It's because of the mouse. It's it must be. I mean, it must, it must be. Wow, Cinderella has changed my Wikipedia page. I wonder what the legacy would be from that project. There you go. <laughs> no, but of course, the, there was King Gary, which I have to say, I think is the, the first two are possibly, I mean, screamingly funny. Uh, <laughs> God, Thank BBQ. You. I mean, the whole, the whole thing. And the neighbor, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it makes me laugh, properly, properly makes me laugh because I interviewed the whole cast and um, uh, not you that time, but I did interview uh, most of the cast and, and I had to sit and watch all of them in a go with the family. Yeah. Oh my God. If nobody's yeah. seen it, it's, you do think, oh, this is, this is, or, you know, people are going to get very insulted by it. But as, <laughs> as they say, you know, we wrote this because this is what we know. It's, yeah. God, it's funny. Yeah. Well, it's, but that, um, I mean, then also the reluctant landlord. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. oh my 
goodness me! I mean, so you're you do act. As I you. do act. I do act. <laughs> I mean, we, we, I, like, I mean, with reluctant landlords, you know, let, let's be absolutely honest. It wasn't a demonstration of range. I was I was playing sort of uh, an indifferent Asian man, <laughs> so it was like <laughs> fairly easy. And with King Gary, it was sort of similar. The thing with King Gary is. So I kind of, you know, obviously I play Gary's neighbour, who's neighbor, sort of a little bit, yeah. he's kind of his nemesis, but but that but kind of needs him as well. But in the in the second series, so the first series, I, I really enjoyed doing it. And, but it wasn't, you know, I, I was sort of playing a version of myself, I guess. In the second series, at the end of the first series, my character Stuart goes through a divorce. In the Christmas episode, his wife leaves him. Oh, yes. And then in the second series, he's kind of going through a divorce. And there's a bit where he has like a breakdown in the woods to Gary and he's just really upset about where his life's going to be. And I remember reading the scripts and thinking, I can't just turn up and do this. This requires a bit more, um, a bit more preparation. So I actually took acting lessons and um, because I wanted to sort of, I wanted to make sure I nailed those, th those scenes in particular, because the comedy stuff is you're relying on what you've got as a stand up, you know, because you know mm. the timing and stuff like that. But with things like that that are a bit more kind of emotionally challenging, I wanted to make sure that I was properly prepped. So I actually did do acting lessons for that. But it was a bit it was funny because there's, so there's this bit where, as I said, I'm in the woods and I have a breakdown. And actually what I did was I put myself in a really sad mood to get myself ready for that scene. Oh, method scene, acting. Yeah, well, I, I thought I'd give it a go, Gabby. Listen, I'm not saying I'm De Niro, <laughs> but, um, but I... Uh, uh, what 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 I had the effect of doing was that the scene happened much later than I thought it was going to. So I, I I went too early on the sadness. So I spent most of the second half of the day sort of just really miserable for no reason because we weren't doing the scene anytime soon. But it worked. I channeled it. <laughs> I channeled oh, it, well, and a, uh, we got away with it. It's a joy. But oh, there's, thank so, you. There's, so there the, the acting head. I mean, I mean the fact that you worked with Alison Steadman. Huh, oh. In the reluctant landlord. Oh, yeah. I mean, goddess. She's a goddess. Yeah. The stuff that she says and you just makes you go, oh, no. She did. <laughs> oh, she did. She did. She did. But it's a brilliant book and I've, I've read it and I've interviewed you about the book before. So mm. I think it should be, surely it should be, there should be writer in there as well on your Wikipedia page. I think you need to get in touch with them. I think I will do. I think I will do. In fact, I, I, I think I just want to, yeah, I mean, that'll be the thing I do as soon as I get off this chat is, is go and get that sorted <laughs> out. I'll go, go on there myself. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But no, there you are, a best-selling author though as well. I mean, that must be... That must also be a thrill because it's quite a saturated market and it's a tough thing to do. And you've done it. You've you've done it twice with two books that were huge, huge hits. Yeah. Yes, that's very kind of you to say. I mean, well, it's it, not. It's the truth. I mean, I, you know, it, they they were huge hits, but Sunday Times bestsellers. Yeah, writing the books is it's a it was a very different experience, and it's just. Um, I remember being slightly nervous about it because actually the truth is is that the publisher sort of had to not stage an intervention. That was a bit that would be a bit strong, but like he he had to stop me from writing too much like an author because as soon as I started writing the first book, I didn't have this problem with the second one. When I started writing the first one, I just had it in my head. You know, you've got this. You hold authors in such reverence, mm. and you know, you're so used to to reading writing in a certain style that I sort of ended up writing this book slightly more formally than I would speak. And so I was, I was writing it and I sent the first couple of chapters to the publisher to have a look at before I really got stuck into it. And he said to me, um, you want this book to sound like you? And, and it doesn't currently. He's very honest, which was great. He, said, he just said, it just doesn't sound like you. It sounds like you, <laughs> he said, it sounds like you trying to be a published author. And so actually I rewrote it from the, and redid it all From a, a bit more yeah a bit more in my voice so and and that's kind of what I was trying to channel but I, I really did enjoy doing that I mean the first book was just sort of a chronological it wasn't even chronological but it was kind of like a hodgepodge history of how I got into comedy and stuff like that and then the second one was more of a kind of my take on adult life and I really it was really enjoyable it was really really enjoyable to do and I feel like I mean, look, the fact that they sold any copies was amazing. But, but, the, but, the, but the thing is, is that there's a permanence to books, isn't there? That you, when you do stand-up, you kind of do it and then it disappears. I mean, I know you put out a DVD or put out a special or whatever, but it kind of disappears, whereas books exist forever. And so it made me slightly more nervous about what I was writing. I mean, in the first book, my dad and I, well, my dad and my mum had a very troubled relationship and my, my dad got up to all sorts. He ended up in prison and stuff. And I'd never really talked about it publicly. And in that first book, I talked about it publicly for the first time. And, and I was conscious of the fact that I was putting it into a book and that was going to be there forever. And um, I had to like double check with my mum that she was all right with me sort of publicly stating all this stuff. Because it was like, you know, my mum, my, my dad had kind of, cheated on my mum numerous times and he, he tried to leave her. They ended up getting back together and all of this stuff we'd not sort of talked about. And so putting it into the book, it did feel quite cathartic, but I did make sure I, I just checked with my mum because I said, this is quite a big part of our story that we haven't put out there. Um, and she said yes without even okay? checking it. Yeah. She was totally wow. fine. She didn't even read it. I mean, I, that's either a sign of complete trust in me or a damning indictment of what she thought about the quality of my writing that she couldn't be bothered <laughs> to even check it. Well, I think um, it might yeah. be a mixture, but I love your mum. Uh, I did meet your mum, but I, ca I can't remember which show it was that your mum, I can't remember, but I remember meeting her and she was, she just reminded me of Jewish mothers as well. A lot of people uh, say that to me. A lot of people she, say that to me. So funny. But she, she loves being famous and you say she loves being famous and she's in, she's on your 
Radio 2 shows. She's on the TV shows with you and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. she's got... she. It's as if she's embraced it. I know there's a, a lot of people, you know, Jack does the shows with his dad and Harry yes. Enfield did, of course, years ago yes. with his dad. Yeah. And But you and your mum, I mean, I laugh with her. I can't believe what she says. I know. I mean, it's I just, know. it's. does she love it? Is that, is that a ruse or does she really love no, it? No, she really loves it. I mean, it, it, it genuinely sort of happened by accident because we did this travel show years ago. Asian provocateur, where the oh, whole the whole so good. Oh, thanks. But the, the the whole aim of that show was for me to go back to Sri Lanka and get in touch with mm. my culture. It was all about this kind of idea of, you know, second generation immigrants and getting in touch with, you know, how how in touch are you with your background? And 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 I didn't feel I was at all. And so the whole premise of this show was for me to go back to say, say go back. I've bought I was born here, but to go to Sri Lanka and get in touch with my culture. And when we did the taster tape for the BBC. We had my mum sort of designing the trip and telling me what she wanted me to do. And she's just, um, the, first, the first couple of days, to be honest with you, weren't that great because my mum was really self-conscious about the camera and she was really trying to play up to it. And, and, and I knew that my mum was funnier than how she was being. And I said to mum, and the director sort of cottoned onto this really quickly, Ben Green, he said, just be yourself, just say what you think. And, and kind of be how you want to be. And as soon as she started doing that, it was great. It was like really good. What I didn't expect was her to be as popular as she was. I mean, that was a real unhappy accident that because when, when the show, when the show, when the show came out, she was, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say she was the breakout star of that show. I mean, so many, like so many people were talking about Mum, and she would like read reviews and, and read Twitter and stuff. A lot of people are saying that you have to try to be funny, whereas it comes to me naturally. Have you seen, did you see these comments? <laughs> and so, um, and so like, we just started getting on other bits and pieces. I, I didn't know how much other stuff we were going to get her to do. I remember she came on, when we were promoting Asian Provocateur, she came on Chatty Man with me with Alan Carr. And I remember being a bit nervous because I thought this is a bit different now because this is in a studio. This is not in her house. You know, this is in a studio. You've got an audience there. And she just reveled in it. She absolutely loved it. And I thought, oh, okay, I think she's going to be absolutely fine. But I think from my mum's point of view, like, you know, without getting too kind of depressing, my dad put her through the ringer and like she was, you know, we were living in a bed and breakfast. She was sort of mm. rock bottom. And so for her now to think that she's in a position where she's on television, you know, I know that I sort of joke about how much she loves it and she loves being recognised, but I mean that in the purest kind of most innocent kind of version of that where she can't believe it. You know, the, the idea, you know, she thinks, she says to me, sometimes I think, about, think back to years ago, the idea that we'd be in this position now, it just blows my mind. You know, she just goes, I feel like I'm walking on air. I can't believe this is how our lives have turned out, you know. So it, it really is a thing where she just... She just finds it amazing. You know, when people say to her, I think you're really funny on Rom's show, and let's be absolutely crystal clear, it's Rom's show. When, when, when people say that to her, she's so, she's so happy. She's over the moon. So oh, I'm really so happy lovely. for her in that regard. Yeah, it's nice. So she knows, how, how does she feel that your life is now and that her life is now out there? You say she didn't read the book about and all the no. awful stuff that your dad put put you guys through, and especially her. Yeah. Now that she knows that everybody knows about it, does she... How, how does she talk about it? Does she say, yes, and I don't mind that people know? I mean, or is it just still not discussed? 
I think she's happy that people know. Not not happy is an exact. I think she she's satisfied that people know, and okay. you know it's something that she hadn't talked about, and, and a lot of her friends didn't know what she's going through because you know we kept. Oh it, really? Wow. We kept a lot of it to us. I mean, obviously, people saw what happened to us in terms of we had to move. You know, we mm. like we we moved where to move to a bed and breakfast for a bit. We ended up going to a flat, and you know everybody knew all of that, and we sort of dropped out of. Dropped out of so you know my mum and dad dropped out of their social circles because things got so difficult, so people were aware of that. But I don't think people knew the full extent of it, and you know my dad going to prison and stuff like that. So not everybody knew that. So I think she's she's all right with all of that. I I think it's just um, I think that there was a time when my mum couldn't see a positive future for us. You know my my dad was in prison. We we didn't have any money. We were in a bed and breakfast. She just started working as a as a cleaner and she couldn't see she just couldn't visualize a way that we were going to get out of that. And listen, it's not all about having material things and getting money and stuff like that. I'm not too, I don't mean that, but I just mean the sort of the, the the unhappiness that she was feeling and the difficulty that she was having, you know, her whole world got turned upside down and she's having to bring up bring us up sort of two boys that were going through the same trauma that she was going through and not being very easy about it. So, you know, uh, and uh, by the way, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we went through the worst thing that anyone's ever been through, but for us, it was like a big thing. And so, so for, for, for mum to sort of, I just think that the fact that, you know, we're comfortable now and things are going all right. And, you know, her sons are in a good place and that she's, she's in a good place. I just don't think those were things that she thought were possible a while ago, you know, years ago. And so I think that she still revels in that. Do you know what I mean? I don't think she takes that for granted. Just every now and again, she'll just say to me, I'm just so happy things are, work are working out. Oh, I'm so fantastic. happy. You know? So it's nice. It is nice. But, but what's also really important is that you've spoken about it. You're also, you're an Asian man there fronting a TV shows. You're writing things. You've got radio shows. You've got podcasts. You're fronting the Royal Variety Show. It's taken too long for an, a person of colour to be doing all of those things, quite frankly. I think it's shocking. But that you're doing that and so many young people say, thank goodness for people like you. Thank goodness for people actually like Rob coming back from the background he comes from. Um, yeah. I remember Rob talking about Alan Davis. He said, you know, he saw Alan Davis and he thought, oh, actually, maybe I can do it. So you're going to be helping so many people. And the fact that you and your mom are so honest about these things, you, I mean, you know that, you, I know you know that, but you would have helped so many people and will continue to help so many people. And that's important. People need somebody to look up to. When you're a young child and you're at school and you think, we're in the depths of, of awful times, People need to know that, oh, for, for want of a better expression, that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that it can turn around and that you can become what you want to do. You can follow your dreams. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I mean, I, I don't, um, I, I mean, I sort of think about my own experience. I mean, I, I remember watching, um, I remember watching Goodness Gracious Me and watching and growing up watching Lenny Henry do comedy and thinking, oh, wow, this could be a thing that I could do. I mean, I didn't ever envisage that I would end up doing it for a job, but like, I, I remember what, you know, you watch that, you watch people of color doing stuff like that, doing comedy on TV and it, it does have an effect on you. I think the point you make about Rob is a really good one because people often focus on sort of ethnic diversity and, and, and things like that. But actually, you know, for someone from Rob's background to, to, to come through to where he's got to, I, I think you're right, that is, I think that's a, that's a similar thing, you know. The, the, it's the all fact of that, it across the yeah, board. Yeah, he's sort of he's sort of um, 
He's come from the background he's come from, a tough upbringing. He's obviously got a great family, but, you know, a tough start. And, and for him to do what he's doing, I think, you know, I do think people will look at that and say, and say that's, you know, that, that is something I can look up to. But at the, at the same time, it's kind of whatever version of that is yours. It's not all about getting on TV. It's not all about, you know, making money. It's yes. whatever oh, that, absolutely. It's, absolutely. It's, whatever, it's yeah. whatever that version is to you. Do you know what I mean? And, and you know, it might be starting a bakery. It might be, uh, it might be, you know, being excelling at sales. Yeah. It might be being a yeah, lawyer. Yeah. Exactly. All of those things. But it's that thing of sort of, 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 of overcoming what are the, the barriers to entry to a thing or the perceived barriers to entry, I think is an important thing. And, I th- you know, uh, and it hadn't really occurred to me, Lose, until one of my friends said, you know, what, what do you think about, you know, talked about what you said about seeing somebody of colour doing various bits and pieces. And then I did think back to when I used to watch those shows and, and I do think it has an effect on you. It, it makes you think those things are possible. Mm. It makes you think those things are a, a potentially a viable option, you know, so... Um, so yeah, it's nice, but um, yeah, I, I, I think it is a positive thing. And I think actually we're, we're headed in the right direction in terms of we are getting, we are seeing more diverse people in front of camera, but also behind the, behind the scenes as well in production and stuff like that. You know, I, when I started doing telly, I didn't see much diversity of, of gender, of ethnicity, of, of, of social background. And I think those things are changing. So it's all, it's all very positive, I think. Do you know, it's very interesting that when I started out in telly, people would always say cameraman. And I remember right. when there was a camera woman um, working on <laughs> yeah. the show and, and the director kept saying, oh, oh, can you speak to that cameraman? And I'd say, camera woman? Yeah. And say, oh, no, it's just easier to say man because they're all men. And so, so you, that, that wouldn't happen today. Thank goodness. You know, know, there's those little changes and they are so important. I mean, if there's any bigger, is there ever bigger an indicator that something is gender biased? It's the fact that the name of the job is cameraman. You know I mean? Oh, that's yes. A, yeah, yeah. That's a, Camera a person. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, can we just talk about you being the maths teacher? Because sure. I mean, I, I remember you doing the show with Ben Miller. Was it Ben Miller and Rachel? Oh, Harley? yeah. It's not rocket yeah. science on ITV. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. great. I think they should yeah. do more of those. And little, I think you should little do one, Little shows. one series special, that was. Yeah, but you should do kids shows because I think that maths, that, that young people, maths is one of those subjects that, I mean, I know in, in my family and for me, uh, maths was always one of those really tricky subjects and I never really got my head around it. And I still, I know I said this to you years ago, you should do a show about maths that makes it accessible for young kids who aren't who are wary of maths because maths is really important. And you were a maths teacher, so you know what you're talking about. But there's a way of doing it that can bring light and laughter. So there we go. I just think you should do a kid. Well, show mate, about look, maths. I think I think it's a good. Well, that's kind of the reason. That is the reason I got into maths teaching in the first place is because my experience of uh, of being in maths lessons was so bad. Uh, to the point where I started pretending to be ill whenever I had a maths lesson because I just dreaded it so much. But yeah, I think it's a good idea. Oh, it's so funny. Like when I was a teacher, like when we, when we did parents' evenings, I could see the parents getting nervous as they sat down at your desk because they remembered what it was like to do maths at school. Mm, you know, they'd yes. sit down and they'd just think, I just want to know how my kid's doing in maths, but I don't want to talk about any maths at all. You know, that, that's what their <laughs> face was saying. They just didn't As want you parent, to bring up. I can yeah. yeah, they yeah, didn't want yeah. you to bring up any technical aspects of it at all, and I, I think that I think the problem's too far. I mean, look, I don't want to get into an in-depth maths, maths discussion because I do want people to listen to this. But I think you know part of the thing is I think is making it more accessible. I think part of the problem is is that I think kids get taught stuff that they don't ever need. 
you know, I think the maths curriculum is a little bit, if people are really good at, if kids are really good at maths, they need to learn all the technical stuff. But I used to teach bottom set kids and there was things that, was that we me. would teach. That was me. Right. That so, was but, me. but I remember just feeling really let down by the maths curriculum because I'd just be teaching stuff and I'd think, I am putting them through this and then there's absolutely no way they're ever going to use this after they do their GCSE. Why are we doing this? There are better aspects of maths that they could be doing that give them more confidence in life, you know, in things that are actually a bit more practical. And I think, you know, I'm talking about as a teacher that, that gave up over 10 years ago. I think they've, they've like addressed that really. Not because of me. I'm not, I'm not a pioneer. But I think, they've moved, I think they've moved in the right direction. But I remember thinking like, when kids ask you, why are we learning this? The answer, because it's in the exam, is not good enough. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so, yeah. But I remember, fi I find, I remember like, having to say that to kids and thinking, well, that is not good enough, really. Why are they learning this? So, I, listen, Gabby, I think it's a good idea. I might do it. So do it. if I do, I if you do see Rom so. Does Maths, know that it's your inspiration. I'll, I'll give you a credit or something. Thank you. In fact, no I'll, I'll come Thank and you. produce it. Because I think, I, all jokes aside, I, I know that kids would lap it up because kids love you. You know, even though... I remember you being interviewed by a, a mutual dear friend of ours who used to have red hair, who's now white, um, <laughs> him saying that his kids sit and watch. Rob and Rom, yeah. And that the, the language is very fruity. I think my youngest daughter, who is obsessed with that show, learned a lot of language from you two. <laughs> and it's absolutely yeah. fine. And the, uh, the young kids do look... Oh, don't be so silly. <laughs> I do not apologise um, at all. But I think young kids do look up to you. And I just think, actually, you and maybe um, Rob doing it together... Math lessons. I just think. Well, you do you know do what? It. Do you know what I think is a good idea is is taking Rob through like, me teaching Rob through his math GCSE and A level could be a good thing. Do you know what I mean? That could, oh that could be a God. funny thing. It's a good idea, yes. isn't it? Or actually, just the eleven plus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Key stays there three. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There you go. Oh, we got ourselves a well, show. Well, that actually makes me feel ill because if somebody <laughs> were to ask me maths, I go, I can count in sixties because of minutes and doing telly and radio. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, let's just. What I'd like to just um, talk about though is, uh, is this is a really weird thing? But is it true you've? I think this might be wrong. So the tattoos. I know you love tattoos. Mm. Have you got tattoos of your children's faces all over your body? No, no. no oh, no, no. I've got. I've got then. I've got. Well, this is bad actually. I've got two of them. I've got three boys. Yeah. Two of them are tattooed on me. The last one I haven't. I haven't done yet. <gasps> I am going to, but I haven't done yet. Um, does he know? I don't. I think he does know, but he seems distinctly unbothered. I, ge I, I, I guess, thankfully, his self worth is not tied up in whether I've got his, his name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, but um, I should do it. My really, dad, that, that, can that you is, believe it? I don't want that to be something he tells a therapist in the future. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> it's just because I haven't got around to it. Oh, okay. But I had this really weird thought that you sort of opened your shirt and there were your three children no, do you know their the, faces. I, I would have loved to have done that. The problem is I've seen so many examples of where that's gone wrong. I just thought an, an idea of a distorted face of one of my children on, on my body just is too much to bear. Well, I, I, I've, I've got, I've, I do have loads of hip hop tattoos and I've got the Albanian flag tattooed on my arm as well. And, and That's because you went to Albania. So you just yeah, and, uh, well, I, I went to Albania, got that done. And now um, just every now and again, an Albanian person will bump into me and ask me to show the tattoo because I don't believe I really got it done. I, there's, there's a restaurant in Crawley that I don't have to ever pay in because the, uh, the manager's Albanian. 
Uh, and he said, because you got that tattoo, I'm never let you, I never let you spend any money in this restaurant. But obviously that means I can't go back there. I can't go there and then show my forearm like a credit card. Do you know what I mean? It's, I can't. It's, it's Have much. you ever been in there since he said that? No. <laughs> He's going to be in touch now. Why haven't you been back to my restaurant? Um, uh, so we always ask on this podcast, what makes you belly laugh? And you do love a good giggle. What makes you properly belly laugh? Um, what makes me belly laugh? I, oh, well, is it, is it anything at all? Anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most well, people say farting or falling over. So there we go. Well, this, well, this is the thing. So, um, we just got a dog about four weeks ago and, um, he's very, very cute, but he keeps getting so overexcited. Every, the, the thing about a dog is, and everybody that has a dog and people that don't have dogs know this, is you leave a room for two minutes, you come back into the room and they greet you like you've been gone for 20 <laughs> years. It's unbelievable for the self-esteem. But he gets so excited when, you, when we go into the room that he, he jumps up at you but hasn't quite managed his balance yet and falls over backwards. He does it so many times, it's like he's <laughs> smashed. And I've got to be honest with you, it is the gift that keeps on giving. I, I, I don't stop laughing at it. I just find it unbelievable. And sometimes, this is bad. I mean, it's, I guess it's verging on animal cruelty. Sometimes I leave the room to come back in in the hope that he's going to fall over. I, I never tip him over. <laughs> but I come back hoping that he's going to do the bit. Um, oh. It's really good. Really no, good. that makes my day because I completely am with you there. <laughs> Anything falling over and I made. Uh, Ramesh, as always, you're just a complete joy and I adore you to pieces. Thank you very much. Do send your mum a love. And, I um, will do. I will do. And uh, hopefully I'll see you soon in the real world. See you soon. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. On the next episode, I chat to Bake Off winner and Strictly star John Waite. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thanks so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.